it takes volcanoes hundreds of years to erupt, right? But under the surface, there's a lot going on, right? And so, so what if it? What if, uh, according to James, we took a look at some of that that was going on under the surface before it made its way to our mouths? Because as we both know, real harm can come with the tongue. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good day, Bishop. your devotion this week was a good one called a blaze and you reflected on james chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 and it was sobering because quite frankly i have a rather colorful vocabulary especially (laughs) when i drop something on my toes so thank you for that reminder (laughs) can you unpack for us the idea of wholehearted devotion yeah, yeah, that's a great place to start, right? That's a great place to start. So, so James is the half brother of Jesus, right? Talk about performance anxiety, right? Talk about following in somebody's footsteps, and and James is uh, is the leader now of the church in Jerusalem, right? And so James uh, uh, wants to commend sort of uh, uh, twelve ideas or thereabouts about what it means to be wise and what it means to be faithful. That's, that's what James wants to do. And James is my kind of dude because James doesn't pull punches. James just gets it said. He thinks, James thinks we're all adults, right? And James says, hey, man, let's just have the conversation. But what's beautiful about James is that James is not trying to tear down anybody. James is interested in one thing. This is his big idea. He's interested in what does wholehearted devotion look like? What does it mean to love God and love neighbor with your whole heart, right? We use those words in the Episcopal Church. Maybe James was an Episcopalian. We use those <laughs> those words, right? Uh, your whole heart. And so on the way to this beautiful notion of wholehearted devotion, James stops at particular roadside, roadside stands, and he drills down a little bit. And one place that he drills down in the third chapter is about how we talk, how we use our tongues, right? And tongues, of course, uh, uh, produce speech and, and, and tongues are how we get things said and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, James is a poet as well, right? I mean, he's my kind of preacher. He gives these beautiful images. We can move a big horse by just having a bit in its tongue. And we can, uh, we can sail a great ship, even against the wind with a small rudder. We can do all these amazing things, James says, but we cannot tame the tongue, he says. <laughs> And the tongue, and the tongue, he said, he goes on to say, is a blaze. In other words, it can be just a fire. It can be a stain, and it can be a sin, and all kinds of things. You got to think just also for one second that that James, being a Jew, understands the Hebraic notion of breath, and that breath is holy. Breath is holy. How we use our breath matters. It's how you use your life force. And so James doesn't, he doesn't berate us and he doesn't browbeat us and he doesn't guilt us, but James says, these are the facts of the case, right? And then what I love about James is he asks a question. He, he asks this beautiful question. So, so as you're praising God and giving God thanks uh, with that mouth, uh, you know, 
uh, how is it that you're also cursing your brother and sister with that very same mouth? So he, he sort of gives us back this idea and the work to try to bring our tongue perhaps more in line with, uh, you know, our better angels, um, our deeper commitments, etc. So it's not, this, this meditation is not, as I say, about being politically correct. That's a silly and too small idea. Right? It's not about that. And it's not about a spiritualized two-facedness. Right? You know, we do that really well in the church. Right? We 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 throw all these flourishes at you on Sunday and then tear you apart, you know, in the parking lot or in the car, right? And it's not about polite hostility, which we have, you know, I like the joke that we have sort of mastered in the in the South. Bless, bless your, your heart. heart. Bless <laughs> your heart. The hell with the rest of you, but bless your heart, right? So it's not about that. But James is inviting us to think about, you know, what's really going on because the tongue tells what's really in the heart. And so he's asking us to go deeper. So I really appreciate your reflection because I pictured you reading it and digesting it and then taking like the 30,000 foot view of it, which I think is especially important when reading scripture. And yet sometimes we get so caught up in the minutia, we miss the bigger points. Um, and Bishop, that's typically something you don't do. So I've tried praying out loud to myself, like out loud. I, I don't pray to myself, by the way, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we get it out loud. But quite honestly, it's really hard for me like to hear myself. And so I'm wondering if you have any tips for people learning how to pray or practicing prayer in new ways. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's a great question. Um, I think, I don't know if I have any tips. I, I, I think that um, people have to, number one, you have to find your own rhythm. You know, everything works for me in the morning better. And so, you know, I, I'm up early and so quietly in the morning. Sometimes it's not audible. Sometimes it is. Um, uh, I, I think that um, the way that the church, you know, the prayers that the church offers are great places to start. Uh, so I would say you don't have to start tabula rasa. You can use the tradition. You can use the Book of Common Prayer. In the back of the Book of Common Prayer, there's all kinds of prayers. And I would say find the one that best speaks for where you are right now, right? Whether you're mindful of the country or mindful of other countries. We're thinking of Afghanistan right now, uh, the Afghanis as well as our own soldiers uh, who have been hurt. Um, we're thinking right now of people who are, in, uh, who are being harmed by Ida, Right. So whatever's heavy on your heart, offer that to God and, and the prayer book can help you to, 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 you know, to give that, um, you know, to give that flavor and detail. Those prayers can help. But I, I think uh, another uh, thing that I would say is, is that, you know, if that's where you would want to start, I would say you get to a place where you're having a conversation with God. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Jesus said that, uh, that we can call God Abba Father, which is Daddy, which is which is you know we can we can move into an informal relationship and conversation with the Creator of all that there ever was, which is just amazing to say, uh, "Good morning, God." Uh, you know, my prayer life, actually, funny enough, as I've gone up in the hierarchy of the church, has gotten very simple. <laughs> you know, "Good morning, God." Uh, um, wow, uh, just thank you. Uh, thank you for being the kind of friend that you are. Thank you be, for being present. Uh, thank you for gently correcting me. Uh, thank you for, you know, the, just just a gentle thing. And oh, yeah, God, my friend, 
is suffering from this or de- needing this or et cetera. So it's a really sort of basic, basic stuff. But I would also say some of us don't like to sit. Some of us should move. Some of us should pray while we walk. Um, some of us can pray for the length of a dog walk. Uh, some of us can turn off the radio in the car and pray in the car on the way somewhere. Um, I, I think that uh, it's just about, you know, uh, in your friendships with other people, what, what, are, what are some of the techniques in those friendships, right? It's, it's, there's frequency, right? There's candor. There's disclosure. You know, prayer, prayer is the same thing. I think, I think one of the things that connects this idea of prayer to James's notion about your tongue is, is that uh, he recognizes that, that we're both and people. He recognizes that the person who's going to pray some beautiful, eloquent prayer to God is also going to give you, you know, some expletives, you know, when you stub a toe. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, so it's not, it, you know, God is not, you know, God is not that petty, man. God is not saying I'm looking for, you know, that. Uh, I, I think what he's saying uh, primarily is is that um, you have to remember that the you know the, we're interrelated, and so and so this whole notion of neighborly neighborliness lived out through the tongue <clears throat> matters. And so if you harbor ill will for neighbor and you just throw some icing on it, it ain't really real, right? You can spiritualize icing on it; it ain't really real. What's, what's a better journey for you is for you to get down into what is your problem with somebody. Oh, wow. Well, Bishop, hold that thought. We're going to be right back after a short break. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode? Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to four people and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, right before the break, you said, you know, um, something about, uh, what is your problem with people or whatnot? And it, it got me thinking about uh, whether or not James was Episcopalian. I, I think <laughs> I think Brene Brown uh, does claim the Episcopal Church is her own, and she writes about wholehearted living. She really dissects shame and blame as being something that can get in the way of living a wholehearted life. Yeah, and I'm thinking of the shame based stuff, but. We blame a lot of people for a lot of different things. And I wonder how blame might get in the way of praying wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, I think that this is one of the things that, that, that prayer uh, comes to supplant, right? So I, I, we should default to prayer, not default to shame, guilt, obligation, and blame, right? And so praying for enemy is, is, is trying to spiritually relocate us, right? Trying to change our default. Look, many of us were raised that way, right? Which is that, you know, we sort of lead with shame or guilt or obligation, right? But the spiritual invitation here is to move first and foremost to number one, the very person that you want to curse with your tongue uh, is also God's child, Right. And the people you struggle to love, God loves robustly. 
right? So that awareness begins to, I hope, change the way we use our tongue. And then the second piece is, is that there's an invitation all throughout Scripture <clears throat> to begin to move us from othering enemy into uh, through prayer and allowing that person to be beside us as sibling. So that changes. So we have the same parent and you are my sibling, right? So we're all, we're trying to, all of that is supposed to positively impact how I talk about you, right? And so uh, I think it's also important to say that in the real world, uh, we do fail, we do harm one another. Um, sometimes uh, we are responsible for things. Uh, there is, should be accountability. So, I mean, we're not taking anybody off the hook here, but I, I think there, it's a it's a big difference to talk to your brother or your sister whom you love because God loves them as God loves you. That's one way to talk to that person. Uh, and then there are other ways to talk to that person. Do you see what I mean? That are not impacted by the fact that they are your sibling or that they don't honor the reality that that person is your sibling and that you share the same God. And so, and so I think that what James is just trying to say is, is that there's this the heart is connected to the tongue, right? It may not be biologically, but spiritually it is. And so if we find ourselves struggling with uh, shaming people and blaming people and all that sort of stuff, then we might want to investigate what's going on in our center, right? Because something's going on in our center. It's like, you know, it takes volcanoes hundreds of years to erupt, right? But under the surface, there's a lot going on. Right. And so so what if it what if, uh, according to James, we took a look at some of that that was going on under the surface before it made its way to our mouths? Because as we both know, real harm can come with the tongue. And people are healing from what parents have said to, to them. People are healing from what siblings have said to them. I mean, many of us wear the scars of of others, unfortunate uh, usages of language and descriptors of us, right? Many of us still bear those scars. And so I like that James is giving us something practical, how we speak to one another, right? If you're my sibling, that already, if I honor that and respect that and acknowledge that, that all automatically changes how I talk to you and talk about you, I hope. Well, the words we say aloud and the words we think, but don't say clearly right. matter. And aren't, aren't they not just a wellspring from our heart? The, the, uh, one of the most profound lessons I've ever learned, uh, I learned at great, great pain and cost. Um, I was, I was leading a, a, um, uh, an after-school program for, for Washington, D.C., and I had a number of, of empl um, employees and a number of volunteers. And this is maybe too candid for this format, but I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> and uh, I had one particular woman who was a parent <clears throat> she was slovenly in appearance. Uh, she was never punctual. Um, she never had energy. She never took up agency. And, you know, coming from the Navy and just being as weird as I am, that kind of stuff all rubbed me terribly wrong, right? And while I tried to, to, to be polite and all those sorts of things, uh, I'm sure, I, I don't have a poker face, I'm sure that I wore all of that, those things that I thought and felt about this individual on my face, right? And so <clears throat> I was talk, happened to be talking to a friend of mine who was a clinician, 
who was a, a, um, a social worker. And, uh, and I was going on and venting really about this uh, lackluster employee and all this sort of stuff. And she said to me, uh, after hearing me out, my little tirade and tantrum, uh, she said, do you think that she knows how you feel? Hmm. And I said, well, I've never said those things. She said, but do you think in the way that you are with her that she knows exactly how you feel about her? And, and that really, that was, a, that was an insight, that was a lightning bolt for me that really jarred me uh, to really think about, about this subject deeper. And that is, people know how you feel about them, whether you say it or not. And so, so the invitation there is, is that uh, to, to get down into that mm. and, and to say, you know, what, what am I, what, where are my conclusions really based on? Uh, will they, would they stand in the light of God? Um, you know, uh, am I treating this person in a particular way? I mean, you, you get down into this morass of I'm bringing a lot of stuff to this person. And I, I'm not seeing, I, I can only see all the bad in the person. I don't see any of the beauty in the person. Let me say it this way. I wonder if a part of Jesus's appeal in Galilee with all kinds of people was his ability to see beauty in them um, before he opened up his mouth. And, and, and that in contrast to the way that the Pharisees and the scribes saw those same people. I wonder if that wasn't why the crowds came up to hear from, came out to hear Jesus. Not only because he was an able storyteller, but because on his face, he wore a love and appreciation and sense of goodness about the people he was talking to. And then the tongue followed suit. Wow, I've got big ideas now, Bishop. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a big idea inducing, but it's also day-to-day reflection, right? Like, how do I really feel? about person X, and then what do I need to do as a follower of Jesus about those feelings? Maybe that's where I take those to prayer to God, in prayer to God. Well, and I'm thinking of the institutional church. You know, you just talked about Pharisees and scribes and all of those ideas and the should, should, shoulds. Um, So are we building up or are we tearing down? And is our heart dictating what our words say? I, you know, I, I, when, when, um, I mean, I have lots of references to this, but C.T. Vivian, who's a, a, a guy that I referred to before, a lieutenant of Dr. King's, who I had the good fortune of getting to know before he died, and a giant of a man, spiritual giant of a man, was able to look at seething racists in Alabama and Mississippi as, as a, with, with, through a sibling's love and eyes. And it was not, he was not a magical person. I mean, this was, this was his spiritual commitment. And he was able to do that. And, and because he was able to do that with dogs barking and hoses going and being struck uh, by police officers, uh, he was able, you know, because he, he came to them in that way, his tongue followed suit. And he was able to be forthright and bold 
and at the same time constructive. And this is this is extraordinary. And look, the reason why I'm, I'm I'm going on like this is because I think in these podcasts we've got a name again and again and again and again. What is what does spiritual maturity begin to look like? Right. I think a lot of people are dissatisfied with church, and rightly so, right? Because they've been given pablum, baby milk, again and again and again, and they just said, "Okay, if that's what it is, I'm out." So just be nice. That's what I have to do. Be nice, and they, they, that's sort of the message. Or it's about kittens and knitting needles or whatever the hell, <laughs> right? But what we're talking about here is difference-making, life-changing stuff that can change the way that people deal with one another for the benefit of all of us. And that is heavy lifting. And the truth of the matter is all of us got a whole lot of work to do. That day when that friend of mine told me about myself, you know, I had to go and really own up to it. I had to say, I got some furniture that needs to get moved around in my soul if I'm going to try to live the words I pray. And, you know, funny enough, this woman who I was hypercritical of actually was exactly the conduit for my blessing. Thanks be to God for that. Bishop, thank you for your story. Thank you for sharing. And listeners, thank you to listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.